see this right here? I got a light. We're taking this podcast seriously. And I want to start with a little story. So sometimes you make mistakes. Like myself today, and uh, I didn't have the SD card that plugs into my recorder here. So in those situations in the past, a previous version of myself totally would have um, been like, oh, we're going to scrap it. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it, you know, we'll make it happen when we can make it happen. That's okay, you know, trying to make it happen is good. But it's always better to do something than not to do it and delay it towards the future. Procrastinators unite tomorrow. Uh, it's a good saying, and it just means doers prevail. Uh, do the thing you want to do. Don't wait till tomorrow. Get the thing done. On that story, here's an, here's an old story that reflects back on that story, story time with Tim today. Two classes had the same project. One class was supposed to take a photo a day for 30 days. And then at the end, they wanted to see what their best photo was. The other class was left the option to take one photo during those 30 days to plan and make it the best photo they could possibly make. Take a guess at which class won. The class that took a photo every day because they were in the act of doing. They were doing the little things that add up to the big things that help them get to where they want to be. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, rant, whatever you want to call it. My name is Tim Connor. I'm your host. I teach golf all day long. That's all I do. That's all I do. That's all I do. Today, I want to talk about why you miss the ball, both right and left. And um, I'll get a little club here for demonstration. Why you miss the ball right and left. Okay. Why there are these things that happen in golf with these big misses or the lack of predictability to your ball flight. It's always for one of these reasons. It doesn't make the reasons easy, but it's always for one of these reasons. Number one, your contact isn't ball first contact. So when you don't create ball first contact, you hit the ground and then the ball, we get deflection with the face. For a right-handed golfer, that face will deflect to the left. Very common for amateur golfers that think they overdraw the ball. They actually just chunk and draw the ball, meaning they hit the ground, deflects the face, and then shuts the face. So to diagnose and create a repeatable ball flight, you need ball first contact. We want to hit the ball if the ball is here and then the turf in front of the ball. Well, your ball is on the ground. The ball is not always on the ground, but for most of golf, the ball is on the ground. So that's the deal. Okay. Secondly, you lack predictability in your ball flight, likely because your club face is coming in open and it's closing a few frames past the hit. So there's a lot of this going on. There's a lot of opening and closing of the door. Now there used to be this old hogwash that people would tell you that opening and closing the door was a good thing. There's speed there. Roll your forearms open, roll it shut. That's not what the best players do. The best players keep the club face very square to the arc through the hitting area. The best players, their club face will look something like this through the hitting area. It's turning one direction and it's opening and closing, but very little. And it's staying very square to that swing arc through the hitting area. That's something we can hope to train and hope to work on. And if you're a person that thinks you may have an open club face, and chances are you do, by the way, almost everyone does, almost everyone, until you really start to get to the high elite level 
golfers. And there's more to that. For our purpose, know that almost every amateur golfer struggles with an open club face. Some people might struggle with a closed face, but they would set up with it closed. Truly closing the face without flipping your hands is so rare in golf. All right, now flipping your hands or releasing the club early is when the club does this, okay? So as we release the club, see which direction it's pointed? So if we have more shaft lean, the club face tends to be more open. Amateur golfers struggle with lack of shaft lean, lack of having a closed face, and so on and so forth. So step one, create good ball first contact. If you don't know how to get there, don't know what that means, let's place a towel behind your golf ball like eight inches and learn to swing over that towel and hit your ball. And then as you get better at that, move the towel to six inches and then maybe eventually to four, but that would be, that would be cutting it close and maybe creating too much potential angle of attack depending on the person and the swing speed. Towel drill, great way to diagnose if you have enough angle of attack while your ball is on the ground. Now, assuming your contact is okay, which is a big assumption, uh, we need to work on club face control. Club face control to me is the long game in golf. It's the thing that you will be doing for the rest of your golfing career. Basic principles aren't that difficult. Mastering them, um, no one does. Takes a lifetime. Basic principles, let's dive in. Firstly, when that club comes down in the downswing, we need some lead wrist flexion and also supination. So your lead wrist is doing this and turning. Now, if you're listening to this on audio, I'm demonstrating on video, but flexion is if you're reaching your wrist to your forearm, supination for a right-handed golfer taking their left wrist and opening it towards the sky, holding a can of soup in your hand or whatever. That's what my anatomy teacher would say. You need to flex and supinate. How much? Really depends on the shot style and the person hitting the shot. What I would say is, in this department, amateur golfers rarely ever overflex or oversupinate. It is very rare. So for most of you, you should be trying to do more of that and starting earlier, starting earlier. It should start to happen as the downswing begins. And this is where golfers can do things differently. Dustin Johnson, flexed wrist at the top of his backswing. Our guy John Rahm just won the Masters, flexed wrist at the top of his backswing. Now there's still some amount of supination happening, but they're kind of presetting the flex. A lot of golfers play with a more cupped wrist at the top and then flex in the downswing. The point isn't necessarily where do you do it, it's do you do it? Do you flex your wrist in the downswing? Do you supinate it? Do you do it enough? Chances are you don't. In those situations, it can be very hard to diagnose, but for most of you, you just don't do it enough. So it's a skill to work on, develop, and acquire. The old saying, get your back or your lead hand pointed at the target when you're hitting, is a great north star. That's, a, that's quite a bit of supination, flexion to get the back of that hand pointed at our target. Okay, so your glove logo should, if we put a laser coming out of your glove logo, we'd want that pointed at the target. That's kind of the moral of this story. Our one-two combo is create ball first contact, develop a stable club face through the hitting area. It's tough to do, it takes a lifetime. 
You didn't hear me mention swing path at all today. Your swing path is very important. I don't want to discount that at all. Your swing path is often a reaction to your club face. So first things first, stabilize the club face, get it more closed for the typical right-handed golfer or left, whatever, whatever side you play from. Get the club face closed, then assess your setup, how you set up with your club face, then assess how you come through. Likely you're not overclosing your club face. It, it just doesn't rarely ever happen, okay? There's a very small percentage of you that do overclose it and you're the minority. Uh, I'm speaking to the majority here that, that needs to really work on this, develop it as a skill. Now your swing path is something that you can come back to. It's something that you can also develop. Likely subconsciously you will do some swing path adjustments by just learning how to close the face correctly. Because when you do that, one, it puts the club on a better downswing path. In fact, check this out. So my wrist is neutral. So it's, you know, got a little bit of shaft lean. My wrist is cupped. See how that made the shaft more vertical? And now my wrist is flexed. See how it flattened the shaft of the club? So for a lot of you that are hoping to shallow your club, you could also bow your wrist and uh, that will help you accomplish your goal. I don't ever change a person's swing path before I've worked on their club face because often if your club face is open and you make a swing path adjustment, you're just gonna hit your ball further to the right for your typical right-handed player. I fix the low point, then I fix the club face, then I fix the swing path, which could have already been fixed subconsciously from the club face work. Uh, that's kind of my order of operations. I'm not saying it's the only way to do things. I'm just saying it's the way I found most effective with the players I get to teach and coach every single day. It, it helps to have a system to making your decisions, especially as a golf coach. You don't want to be guessing what the next thing is you should be working on. You, you can systemize those decisions and then it becomes much easier, much more logical, less emotional and uh, all that stuff. Thank you so much for hanging out for another podcast. Leave this thing a review, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave it a thumbs up, that stuff helps more than you know. Submit any questions you have for me below in the comments or send me an email. I like hearing from y'all because I don't know what you don't know. Hustle every day in the name of better golf. I will catch you back here same time, same place next week. He's crazy.